Welcome to episode 72 of the Animal Addicts podcast. Once again, sorry for the delay of this release. Health willing, hopefully things will go smoother going forward. On today's episode, Casey gives us a not-so-great update from Australia, while I teach us about another breed of dog. We then learn about our two new awesome picks and an extremely rare Animal of the Week. So let's get to it. Episode 72 of the Animal Addicts podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 72 of the Animal Addicts podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new assortment of adorable slash awesome animals. I don't think one is probably adorable. So (laughs) anyway, um, but before we get into that, oh, also, sorry for the delay. Um, I'm sure this is getting posted a couple days late because let's be real, I have to record then I have to edit. So, because I've been super sick, which I'll get into. But Casey, what have you been up to since last time I saw you? I went to the zoo. How was it? It was hot. <laughs> Not really. Um, it was fun. It wasn't too crazy, even though it was a Saturday. Oh, rough. <laughs> yeah, the reason we went on Saturday is like my mom gets weekends off yeah. and it's like, Saturday or Sunday, and she doesn't want to do Sunday because then she gets home and she has to be ready for work the next day, and it's just depressing. <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, um, I'm trying to remember anything very eventful. How were the animals? Did you see everybody, or did you kind of well, just I, do sections? I could see them, except my family. If I go with my family, I can just assume that we're not going through the reptile house. Because they don't like it or they're bored by it? Both. Okay. Because, <laughs> like, if we do go through it, then they're, like, sprinting through it. Are they afraid of him? No. They just don't find it interesting. But my oh. mom will stare at a cat waiting for it to lift its head for, like, 35 minutes. Oh, yeah. No way. <laughs> my I mom love the reptile cats. house because I like to just play found it. Yeah. Because you have to go find them because they're camouflaged pretty well. Yeah. Um, I did see the Komodos, but that was towards the end. Okay. What um, about the Galapagos tortoises? No, they were put away because <gasps> again, we I got I convinced them to go to the reptiles near the end, not the ha- actual oh, houses, okay. but just the tortoises because I need to see my tortoises. Yeah, and they weren't out. Oh, but the sulcados were having sex. That's fun. <laughs> and of course, there was a bunch of people recording. Of course. <laughs> Do they hiss and everything too when yeah, they do not. it and carry on? Ah. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not cute. It's funny. Turtles mating is very ridiculous. It's so hilarious. Oh. <laughs> anyway, how are all the um, the snow leopards? Are they open again? They're open again. It was forever ago when they had COVID, Yeah, they're right? open. Um, we only saw a tail because it was hot. So they were like, "I'm going to be a cat and just sleep on the around. stone." And yeah, Dancy. Any of the leopards. Okay. Not the ones up in Africa Rocks either. Um, we went through the aviary. We saw the weaving, the um, weaver birds making their nests and That's stuff. That's cool. I want to go through the aviary again because I feel like now we've talked about a few birds that are in there. So I just want to see them in there. Yeah. Do they have the Andean cock of the rock or do they only have the other one? I think they have both. Okay. I got to go see it for real. Because yeah. I don't think we've talked about any... I don't think we've talked about any of the birds that are in the aviary at the park. Mm-hmm. I think it's all been the zoo ones. Well, except I... cassowary is not in the aviary, but yeah, yes, it is. It, it's free brilliant. <laughs> it's not an aviary you can walk through. You don't want to do that. Uh, that'd be a fun concept. Walking through with cassowaries. Let's just put ostrich cassowaries and emus in the same thing, and you can get killed by all of them. Most likely the cassowary because they're the most. <laughs> yes. I mean, ostriches and they have, have the pretty, murder claw. They have the murder claw, and then also ostriches are are pretty du- douchey too, but not douchey. They just have attitudes. Emus do too. My- they all do. They're all mean, and emus can also cut you up. Yeah. Those are the murder birds. It's the three murder birds. That's why I said they're my favorite murder bird is the cassowary. Because those are the three. Yep. Um. I'm trying. To I can't. I have no recollection of stuff. It has been a while. Sorry, folks. We were supposed to record a while ago, and it got uh, oh, yes. delayed. Oh, he got it. I he remember. Worked. 
So I was upset because for the longest time, the womb- they had a wombat, but it was never out for the longest time. And instead, it was a betong, which kind of looks like a little tiny kangaroo, but it's not, um, if I remember correctly. Um, and I like wombats. They're like one of my favorite marsupials, and it wasn't out, and it was finally out there, and I got to see I don't know if I've seen the wombat. Oh, really? I don't know, because I don't go to the zoo as often. Mm-hmm. Where are they? They're over by the Tasmanian Devils? Yeah, literally to the right. Literally right before. I them. don't know if I've seen them or not. Yeah. I haven't gone to the zoo in a long time now, mm-hmm. so and that won't change in the near future, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But oh, and one of the Tasmanians devil was so cute because he was just napping out in the sun. Oh, he got out for a little bit and then just sprouted out. Oh, <laughs> it was cute. I love animals. Mm-hmm. I want to just go sit and watch them so much. Mm-hmm. All right, well that's the zoo. So did you get your pass or did you have to go to oh, the membership? Yes. Because that was a problem last time. Oh, yeah, he's going to show it to me, y'all. able to just go to the is. kiosk thing, it is ugly people. Mine. Did I show you mine? Yes. Yours has the gorilla on it. Yeah, this one's cuter. I know, because there's a rhino. I mean, it's still ugly <laughs> compared to what they used to be, but mm-hmm. it's cuter. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you got the one that had the tiger. Or is that the one that's above No, mine? that's above this one. I forgot. <laughs> Oh, so there you're is two one abo- lower than yeah. mine. Okay, I was this like, one, uh. The one above mine, the only thing is you get one more free pass. Yeah, yeah. It depends on the price on that. It's probably yeah. not worth it. Mm-mm. I still haven't brought anyone yet, although I have a friend coming in from Alaska for unfortunate reasons. But I'm mm. like, if you're cool with only going for like two hours, let's go, because I can't go for very long. Anyway, um, all right, so that was the zoo. And you got your pass. We got to update everyone on that. I know you were all worried about that. So there we go. I <laughs> have been dealing with this mystery GI thing, which is so fun, which I'm really, I don't know if I discussed this already, but I'm really leaning toward thinking that this is a long haul COVID thing. Because I think mm-hmm. I told you, right? I have a friend who's having the same situation mm-hmm. after she had COVID in October and then a coworker of hers is having the same situation. They had COVID. Anyway, so... Mostly just because we have no idea where this is coming from, which can happen randomly anyway. So there's yeah. nothing to say that it is. And there's no way to prove it. And it doesn't really help with diagnosis. But mm. I have a feeling in five years, they're going to be like, wow, a shit ton of people now have GI issues that never had these problems before. Anyway, so yeah, I got knocked on my ass. I had gone antibiotics at one point, And whoo, folks, antibiotics, if you're having GI problems. They're deadly. <laughs> They're real bad. You just you just knock the fuck. And also, like, I looked at, and I would have thought I had COVID mm-hmm. if it weren't for, like, looking at the side effects of it. I'm like, oh, I have literally all of them. Cool. <laughs> cool, cool. Literally all of them. The biggest being the nausea and, and, the, uh, and the vomiting. I'm just going to be gross. People are talking about animals. Also, I did, when I felt it coming, I was like, I need to have my phone ready in case Tiger Lily makes this face again. Oh, my God. But I didn't catch her off guard this time. I actually went to the bathroom, so... She, she followed me, but she was not as horrified as the first time she witnessed me toss my cookies. Also, bow to the porcelain gods is another way to put it that's a little nicer. Anyway. Um, oh, my God. I had that, and then it makes you – it gives you fatigue, and it makes you – like gives you muscle weakness. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> Feel all that. It was kind of like my sinus surgery where I had to just, like, lay in a position in bed, and, like, you couldn't really sleep, but you were just, like, just lay here where it's not as awful. <laughs> just don't move it was terrible anyway so i kept having to miss work and then i'd go back to work and then i'd miss work so anyway i am officially on leave now from work for a month praise hoping that the meds can do their thing and that if i have problems i'm not constantly having to leave work and causing problems and hopefully staying away from the stress because quite frankly kind of hate my job there are good parts about it but my work is just a mess so it's it's medical it is medical, and it's just a hot, yeah. hot mess. Um, so there are good parts about it, and I like the people I work with, but also a lot of them are leaving, so. Oh, great. Um, good for them. Escape while you can. Um, anyway, but I just, uh, yeah, it's just it's too crazy, and the stress from work was definitely not helping. So I was like, uh, this is never going to go away. This is never going to get anywhere. This has been four months already, and we're making no progress. And it's gotten worse this year, so. Anyway, so I am on leave now, which does not mean that I'm going and, like, partying. It means I'm home trying to not be stressed out. But I do intend to actually go to the animal park now because now I can go during the week. I mean, I only go for, like, two to three hours a time because I still have to – all the food I eat has to be refrigerated or heated up and it's such a pain in the butt and all that stuff. And, you know, if I start to feel crappy, I want to be able to get home. So still probably not brave enough to go to the zoo. But I will go to the animal park and I will look at some of the animals and hopefully there won't be people because it will be the middle of the week. Yeah. And I can just sit there and chill – and be like, yes, this is what I need to relax. So anyway, 
good times, hopefully within a month, mm -hmm. <laughs> this will be controllable. So I really hope so. And then I have my, my meeting with the uh, dietitian, nutritionist, whatever they are, next week. So I'm hoping I'll have more foods I, I feel can like eat. It has been. I feel like it has to be a dietitian. I don't know. Um, I don't really know the difference. Quite honestly, I was just like, I need to talk to someone. If you want to know the difference, basically anyone can be a nutritionist. Okay. <laughs> Whereas a dietitian, you actually have to have a degree. And be, I be feel certified. like if a doctor had to give me a referral, yeah. it's probably a dietitian. So anyway, so I'm hoping there'll be some more food I can eat. And mm -hmm. I'm just going to be like, just let's just pretend I have these things, which I don't necessarily have. But let's just say I do. Because it's not definitive yet in any way, shape, or form. And let's just, can, is there anything else I can eat besides the seven things? Mm -hmm. That's amazing, too. When I made the appointment, they're like, oh, yeah, we need you to um, just log everything you eat for the three days before you come in. And I'm like, that's easy because <laughs> it's the same seven things all the time. The only real difference is if I have scrambled eggs for breakfast or banana for breakfast. Mm -hmm. That's about the only difference. Yeah. Everything else is pretty much the same. So now I feel fairly positive that it's a dietitian because... Under law, if she's going to be giving you a specific meal plans to do for what you can eat, you cannot legally do that unless you're either A, a physician, or B, a dietitian. It probably is. Yeah. I would imagine that anything a doctor is referring mm -hmm. you to is going to be somebody with a degree in yeah. something. So we'll see. So who knows? Mm -hmm. We'll see how that goes, and hopefully I can eat more things. I did experiment with peanuts. So, so far they have not caused a disaster, but I have oh, not I eaten a lot. I have not eaten a lot in one go, but I had to get unsalted peanuts, which are harder to find. Are they at least roasted? Or can you not They're have roasted. I don't know. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I shouldn't be having roasted. <laughs> I don't think I can find anything that's not roasted. Like what I've, I was looking for unsalted. I was just like, I need mm. something that does not have salt. And I was like, you're unsalted. Mm. You're coming home. Let's see what we can do. And I want to try peanut butter, but I'm just afraid because that's way more processed. So I'm like, there's more opportunity for anger. Mm-hmm. I just remember um, I went to this grocery store recently. And I never pay attention like when my family buys like the butter and bring it home. It's like I didn't know there was unsalted and salted versions of butter. I didn't either. Yeah, which I'm not gonna like, lie. I remember we were at the grocery store and my dad was like, "Get the salted, not the unsalted." Except he said Sweden because he didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> and it's like, does it really make a difference in taste if it's not salted? I, it depends how much butter you put in, I guess. I mean, to be honest, everything with salt is so much better. <laughs> Without salt, is just sad. Like, salted pistachios, delicious. Yeah. Unsalted peanuts, they're doable, but they're not, it's yeah. not exciting. It's pretty boring. Because also, I also remember I made this, like, healthier brownie, protein brownie. I forgot to do, like, every recipe I see, like, says a pinch of salt. And it's like, is this pinch of salt really doing it? It is. Almost certainly it is. Without salt is rough. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely still salt in some of the stuff I'm eating, but trying to keep it out is a problem. Oh, and I'm still nauseous with water, so I have my little baby Gatorade, which, <laughs> speaking of salt, has sodium, which is not great for the acid reflux and stuff. So it's really fun. I just, like, take a little Gatorade, a little water. Like, I'm lucky if I get through this in a day. This is like an accomplishment if I can finish that Jeez. bottle in a day. It's bad. When I got really bad, when I, like, didn't feel safe to drive and, like, couldn't do anything, I probably had, like this much water total in a day if I even had that much and I wasn't drinking anything else until I was like I guess I'm going back to Gatorade because I have to get liquid <laughs> yeah it was bad it's not good I hope, you, not good. I hope you all don't have this and if I find solutions to this I'll be like yo anyone who has problems try these things which also they do say that like everyone is different so some things that might totally be a problem for someone might be fine for you mm -hmm. like quite honestly having soda hasn't been a disaster I've not done it a lot but I've had days where I'm like, fuck the world. I'm having a goddamn soda right now. <laughs> a small one. And like, it'll make me burp. But I don't have any like later issues. Like mm -hmm. I don't have horrible heartburn that night. I don't have issues the next day. So I'm like, apparently soda is not a complete disaster for me. I'm not going to have it a lot. But like, it might be a horrid disaster for someone else. And that's supposed to trigger everything. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I just need to find my little reasons to live because it's rough, man. But I'm down. Mm -hmm. Like... 45 pounds at least, so I'm, I'm getting closer to my actual... Oh, yeah. No! Yeah, I think so. Let's see. When I Jeez. first went to the doctor back then... Is that math right? Wait, hang on. It's close to that. It's at least 40 pounds. At least. Damn! Yeah. Like, when I was... It's four months, though, so it's like 10 pounds a month, so yeah. it's not a disaster. It's just not a fun way to do it. Yeah. I can't remember how long is like my weight loss took um, before my diagnosis, but... That I lost fifty, nearly fifty pounds. Yeah, that'd be bad. Yeah, it was bad. Well, also though, how heavy my... were you? 
Because where I was... I went from 195 to about 155. Mm, so, not, not horrible, because... Yeah. But still, guys should be heavier. But, like, where I yeah, was... Yeah, but, like, literally, I could not... I, back then, I could put these fingers around, around my arm. In the middle of your forearm? Yes. I've never been able to do that. I can yeah. get my wrist. Like, I can barely do that around my wrist. I have to go on the front. I can do it. Uh, I can't do it right now. But, yeah, I was... I lost that much weight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the difference is my usual weight. I'm still about 10, 15 pounds away from where I normally was before the depression and before all the other shit went down. So, um, so I could afford to lose it. Now, if I drop another, you know, 30 pounds from here, then I'm going to be a little concerned. Yeah. <laughs> Which theater standards and performing standards would be right because you basically should be anorexic. Yeah. But for, like, a human, I'm like, Because, like, no. you also don't want sudden drops in weight because then that causes your body to yeah, yeah. If you're absolutely losing, drop its metabolism. Yeah, if you're losing weight super fast. Like, I had one week where I dropped, like, six pounds in a week because I just forgot to eat. Mm-hmm. I was just really busy, and I was like, this mm-hmm. isn't good. Um, but this has been like, you know, it's, I mean, it's been four months, so it's like 10 pounds a month. So it's not that bad. Yeah. Especially when I had the weight to lose. Like if I had started at my normal weight and I'd been dropping weight like this, well, first of all, I'd be like in the hospital because Mm -hmm. I'd be well under a hundred pounds and not doing well at all. But anyway, so, uh, yeah. So hopefully I'll have more news on that at some point. Um, hoping to catch up on some podcast stuff while I'm out as long as I'm not feeling miserable like I did that week because, oh, it was rough. Mm Mm-hmm. I, like, missed work, and then I had to miss my friend's show, and then I had to text Casey and be like, this ain't happening. Can we do this day? And then I was like, just kidding. This day is also not happening. Oh, what a hot mess. But anyway, back to Oceana on happy... Actually, this is not really a happier thought. Um, It's a thing. (laughs) It's an update, I guess. Yes. About cute animals that's not great, but we can work together and help them. So, Casey, tell us what you want to talk about. Uh, giving an update on koalas in Australia. Okay. So previously, we talked about how due to the drought, fires, and habitat loss in Australia in recent years, the, at the Australian government was investigating into updating their conservation status, along with several other native species. And on Friday, February 11th, uh, the Australian government officially declared the koala an endangered species and cited drought, wildfires, disease, and loss of habitat being the primary culprits for a species' dramatic decline in numbers. Have and they been endangered before, or is this the first time they've been listed that way? First time they were listed okay. as endangered by the government. Um, this is the Australian government, so if you look on IUCN red list, it'll still say vulnerable. Um, this was actually a day before I went to the zoo. Oh, no. <laughs> so I had no idea at the time, and I don't think the staff there did either. They will have to probably update some of their oh, education stuff. Oh, signage and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes they do reflect um, what the local laws are and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, the Australians care about koalas because, like, mm-hmm. koalas and kangaroos are, like, their species. Yeah. It's kind of like a giant panda for, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the reclassification of this species is vitally important because just two years ago, an inquiry done by the Australian Parliament predicted the species could become extinct by 2050. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. should also be noted that this reclassification doesn't ensure the government will take any specific action, but it did announce that they will be adopting the recovery plan for koalas that was produced by the Australian Environmental Department. This plan lays out laws that need to be produced and enacted to protect koalas, along with their shrinking woodland force. The Australian Prime Minister announced that they will commit to giving the equivalent of $35.7 million to the koala conservation efforts over the course of four years. Conservation status of the koala got a lot of attention back in 2019 with the wildfires that were happening across Australia um, when an estimated 60,000 koalas died or were injured or somehow negatively impacted by the fires. Oh, so sad. (laughs) Various environmental and animal welfare groups recommended relisting the species as endangered back in 2020 when they found that in states of Queensland and New South Wales, koalas declined by at least 50% since 2001. Scientists still aren't sure how many koalas are left, and they continue to try to count individuals in the wild, which has been difficult to accomplish. And various groups are pleased with the Australian government's recent action, but say they are still neglectful with tackling the big issue of deforestation. Yeah, I mean, I imagine, aside from bushfires, that's going to be the main issue. That's the main issue with pretty much every animal, Mm -hmm. is deforestation and loss of habitat. Well, um, that's pretty bad news, and this is a terrible segue. (laughs) 
It's just, it makes me sad. Um, you know how humans like to deal with bad news? Alcohol? Yep. <laughs> what is? Oh my gosh. I did not think that was correct. <laughs> That's how a lot of people deal with it. Hey, we've all had those days where we're just like, I need a stiff drink. Um, <laughs> like David from Shit's Creek. <laughs> I need a stiff drink to get through this stiff. <laughs> um, Casey, what is a koala's favorite mixed drink? I don't know the mixed drink, which is funny. No, I just know margaritas. I don't know. <laughs> a pina koala. <laughs> How did I not get that? I know. That's, my mom Literally, drinks me a koala so much. In the name, and there's a song about them. I know. <laughs> I do like pina coladas. Um, I don't. I hate pina colada flavor. <laughs> I said pina coladas. Yeah. I well, I love koalas, but koalas are adorable. Anyway, that's probably the most depressing <laughs> transition to a pun I've ever had. But anyway, um, but they're cute, and we should help them. And Australia, we can't really do shit. Uh, you need to help them. Mm-hmm. They're one of your main animals. I feel like if I'm thinking Australia, I'm thinking koala, kangaroo, platypus. Mm-hmm. Those are my top three, which the platypus you don't see a lot. Yeah. But you can come see them at the wild animal park if they're not hiding. But just do it. They're really cute. I see them so little because my family, I always go with my family. Okay, cause... so here's the deal. While I'm on leave, we will set up a day. <laughs> you can stay after I leave to so it's more worth your drive. We will go to the park because I have pretty good luck with them. Oh, also, yeah. you're going on a weekend. Mm-hmm. If you go in the middle of the week, then you can go and you're more likely yeah. to see them. And mm-hmm. I want to say like 11-ish. It might be when they put out the little mealworms and stuff. Oh, they go crazy during mm-hmm. that time. So it's a good time to see them. I remember seeing the crayfish in there. Yeah. I also remember seeing them <laughs> weigh them um, on um, the zoo San Diego. I haven't watched that. I haven't watched those in a long time, man. Anyway. All right. Well, so moving on, keeping it to Australia. Huh, such an Australian-focused episode. Episode. Thank you. I could not think of that word. <laughs> wow. That was rough. Mm. I'm not doing as bad as I was like a week ago, folks. Have I we promise. had an Australia-themed episode yet? Probably. We've had Australian ca- uh, categories before. Mm-hmm. I literally almost said catalog, <laughs> which this is not. But there's your segue. It's time for another breed. And I was like, you know what? We should try to keep it in Oceana. So let's see what Aussie things we have. Everyone knows about an Australian Shepherd. If you don't, that's weird. I saw a post, by the way. Sorry, quick tangent. That someone posted on Facebook, wherever. And it was like, if you mix, what did they even say they mixed? Like a Dalmatian. It was something so stupid. It was like, if you mix a golden retriever and like a Dalmatian or something like that, you get this little miracle. And I'm looking at him like, that's an Australian shepherd. As many people comment, I'm like, this is literally an Australian shepherd. That is a purebred Australian shepherd. I can tell by looking at it. What are you doing? And then everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's so great. I'm like, it's literally an Aussie shepherd and that is not how you make them. (laughs) Anyway. Braids are made up anyway. They are very cute. (laughs) I also just am not a huge fan of long hair because it just gets... My last dog was a Chelsea Shepherd. Yeah, Aussie Shepherds are cute for sure, but like a lot of the long-haired ones, especially those that are working dogs, like they get burrs and shit in them all the time. Mm. You got to deal with a lot. It's annoying. Anyway, so, but we are focusing on a doggy again, and it is Australian, but I tried to go with one that probably most people don't know about, which I don't know much about it, and it is the Australian Kelpie. They're real cute. (laughs) They're like mid-sized dog, but they're cute. Yeah. Um, anyway. I've never heard nor seen them. Yeah, I've heard the name before, but I was like, eh, people probably don't really know them. You don't see them a lot. I'm sure they're more popular in Australia. Anyway, uh, so again, from AKC, I will be post- posting these links. Ugh, speaking is difficult. They, um, I guess qualify is a word that works for this, but that's not what I'm looking for. Describe. Man, I cannot speak. I guess I've been talking a lot since I've been out. They describe them as loyal, alert, and intelligent. So basically all the things you want from a working dog. They are in the, oh, let's see what group are they in. They're in the Foundation Stock Service. That is a weird what? category. Found- Foundation Stock Service. You would think that's just like a working dog, mm-hmm. like a herding dog. That's obviously what they do. Whatever. AKC is weird. We know this. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so they're, they get up to a height of about 17 to 20 inches. They weigh about 35 to 50 pounds, and their life expectancy is about 10 to 13 years. Going into the history of them, this history was not as good as most of these are. I'm going to say that. But this picture is so cute. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, sorry. I just love it when dogs have one ear up and one ear down. It's the cutest thing. So, 
Going on to their history. So following the opening of vast areas of land in, Austra- in the Australian states of New South Wales and Victoria, the sheep numbers increased so dramatically that some properties were over 2 million acres and ran over a quarter of a million sheep. In areas as extensive as these, herding, originally carried out by convicts, what? <laughs> I just learned something from the AKC. Well, didn't you know the history of Australia being Yes, no, where... I know that they're convicts, but I didn't know that's what they were doing now. And they're like, oh, you're going to be a sheep herder now. Oh, gosh. Yeah, then the rest got sent to work. That's literally the whole reason when you were asking me this, the animal of Australia, I was like, well, it has to be a koala or a kangaroo, but they got started by convicts and they're like tough, so it's probably a kangaroo. Oh, anyway, so apparently we just learned, folks, that convicts used to herd the sheep. There you go. Anyway, herding by convicts, was impractical. (laughs) Um, Wire fences were erected and sheep were left to run free. It was then necessary to have dogs to handle sheep in such large areas. A dog had to be developed to work in the conditions present in Australia. These conditions included heat, rough terrain, dust storms, and vast distances. The Kelpie, being able to perform the work of several men, were tireless workers in the hottest and dustiest of climates. Like so many breeds, the origin of the Kelpie is disputed. There is no doubt, however, the origin of the breed came from dogs imported from Scotland. Automatically sheep. Scotland, sheep. Ireland, Scotland, sheep. Automatically, that's what you think, right? Yeah. Anyway, these dogs, I will tell you, in Ireland, you just got to stop and wait for the sheep to cross the road. And they take their sweet time. Anyway, these dogs were black and tan, long-haired with semi-pricked ears, medium size, and of collie-type Others were smooth-haired with erect ears, but still of collie type. <laughs> Litters from these dogs also produced red liver-brown puppies. So like I said, the history on this one was not as good as most of them, but you know, it, they're still cool. You can still go read about them. And then let's see what they have to say about them. Go out of the, get out of my way. <laughs> I, just, I just always love the way to describe things. The Australian Kelpie is a live, active dog capable of untiring work. He's extremely intelligent, alert, and eager with unlimited energy. As a herding dog, the Australian Kelpie is intensely loyal and devoted to duty. He has a natural instinct and aptitude for working in sheep, whether it be in open fields or enclosed yards. This breed originated from collie-type dogs imported from Scotland, but was developed to withstand the harsh heat and dry conditions of the vast open spaces of Australia. So anyway, um, obviously they're not as well known and akc doesn't even tell you all that much about them but they're very cute i'll be posting a picture you definitely can see the like collie is it's kind of like a border collie but the face is very different it's What's really cute ranking? oh yeah i didn't tell you that huh let's see oh my gosh where's their ranking i don't see it usually it's right here <gasps> are you not gonna tell me what they're they don't have it maybe they're not very popular are they the last one? Is that why? <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm clicking on... Oh, no, it's taking me to the foundation stock. I don't want to go there. Uh, What's your ranking? I want to know this now. Oh, my gosh. That's annoying. I don't think they've posted it on this one. Usually, they do. Usually, it's right up at the front. My guess is not high. Okay. <laughs> not high. No. I'll look into that because that's going to bother me. But... um. Also, just so they, real quick, if you ever think of getting one, um, they, let's see what they say about them. Oh, you don't want to tell me. Cool, 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 cool. I appreciate that. Uh, they don't need a lot of grooming, so that's good. There's a lot of things. I think they've just switched up how they've done this now. Oh, uh, yeah. I think Again? They, yeah. Because <laughs> now I don't see, usually it's easier to see what they need as far as, like, Social interaction and stuff, and yeah, they've kind of changed it. Unless they just don't like this dog. I mean, like, I don't know. Let me put another dog and see if if it's easier to deal with. I'm just curious. Let's go. We're just gonna go check another dog. I'm, let's go pick. Let's go pick a basic. A basic. Go pick a basic. Let's see what we got Dalmatian. here. Join us on this little. Uh, Malamute's pretty basic, right? Looking for like American, American Eskimo. I want somebody more basic. <laughs> How's American Bulldog not basic? They are basic, but people think of them as pitties. Really? <laughs> Aussie Shepherd's pretty basic. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Let's see what they say for Australian Shepherd. I don't see the ranking. Hmm. They must have switched it up, yo. Lovely. I don't. AKC. Uh... Oh, no, here it is. So they have it on this one. 
Just out of curiosity, what do you think an Australia's and Shepherd's ranking is of 202? 31st. Nope, 15. They're very popular. Mm. Let's see if they have all their stuff nicely written out. We'll obviously have more information on these guys. Yeah, weird. I think they just don't like the Kelpie. Because <laughs> the Aussie mm. has all the normal stuff that the other ones had. But Oh, I went too far. <laughs> mm. But the Kelpie doesn't have it. It's weird. I know. That's really annoying. I'm sorry, folks. AKC has let us down. I don't, it doesn't even say when they admitted them into the AKC because maybe if they're newer, they haven't. How does the, how, I want to know like the process for being new breeds. I don't the know because also they have them and then they must kick them out because yeah. otherwise there'd be like a gazillion breeds in there. Yeah. And there's some breeds that like you very much know are a breed and they're not in the AKC. So you're like, what mm-hmm. are you talking about? I just want to make sure I didn't miss it. No, yeah, it should be right here. That's where it was for the Aussie Shepherd. It's weird. Yeah, and they're not easy to... So I'm sorry. If you want to look into a Kelpie, maybe you want to look other places because AKC is letting us down with that. Anyway, but they are very it's cute. one. Oh, well, it's got to be a Lab or a Shepherd. Yeah, probably. It's either a Lab, a Golden Retriever, or a German Shepherd. Mm-hmm. We, we're going to... Well, fine. Actually, I will let Casey start talking about his... Oh, okay. this is my category. It's her category. I will say the category real fast. I will let him start talking about it. While he's doing that, I will go look up and see who the top... AKC popularity ones are. Um, do we want to take bets on that? My bet is it's going to be Lab or Golden. As Probably. I guarantee you it's going to be Lab, Golden, and Shepherd. German Shepherd in the top three. Probably. I would say. Okay, I we're would agreeing agree. on this. So we can... <laughs> All right. Let's pick different ones for number one. I think it's going to be a Lab. Mine was actually Golden Retriever. Okay. So we'll bet a whole, like, dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really getting paid much right now, man. <laughs> Um, but a dollar, and we'll see who's right. All right. I don't know. We'll get some sort of prize for being right. Okay. So, moving on. I will go look this up while he is telling you about the the awesome animal we're going to talk about in a second. That is his choice. And my oh-so-amazing category. <laughs> so, I chose... I'm going to tell you why I chose this. Actually, there's two reasons I chose this. I wanted to talk about the animal I want. I chose, and it fit into this category, and I was trying to find a category that fits it. Also... I have tried to make an adorable episode before. <laughs> I was like, lemurs can't go wrong with that. And Casey managed I to get the least cute lemur possible. <laughs> no offense to the I.I., but like lemurs are adorable and the I.I. is not exactly adorable. So I was like, I'm going to force him to do something cute. So this category is favorite adorable animal from Oceana. Yeah, then she went on to say mine's not that cute. but It is actually pretty cute. I just think there's cuter things, but it's still pretty cute. Anyway, Casey, tell us about your baby while I investigate. I chose the honey possum. Not actually related to the opossum. They don't really even look that much like opossums. No, but there's several things named possum. So weird. Mm-hmm. Anyway, tell us about them. Yes, yeah, so these guys' scientific name is Tarsippes rostratus. Rostratus? Yes, in reference to their nose. <laughs> they are native to southwestern Australia and live in coastal plains habitat. They are a small species of marsupial that somewhat resemble a mouse. They can reach up to 90 mil- millimeters in length and weigh up to 18 grams. Like many marsupials, the honey possum is not a long-lived species and averages only one to two years. They have an elongated snout, which is about twice the length of the the length of the snout is about twice the width of its body. They also have a tail that is hairless on the underside and is prehensile, which allows it to grasp onto plants. But it's not hairless on the top side. Nope, it's fuzzy. What? So it's like half rat. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, unlike many mammals, the honey possum has a polyandrous mating system, which is when it is the female that mates with multiple males. Get it, girl. (laughs) Here's where I let things not get cute. (laughs) Oh, God. He always finds a way. This polyandrous mating system has led to evolution of intense sperm competition between the males. Now, basically, sperm competition is where males will basically compete with evolved adaptations that increase the chances of their sperm being the ones to um, fertilize the egg. So that can be things like an insects. Some will have a viscous fluid when they're reproducing to plug up the female's genitalia. In these guys, it's very strange for mammals because the males of this species have very large testes compared to their body. Oh. And they can make up 4% of their body mass. 
<laughs> First of all, <laughs> when you're trying to tell someone that they're not tough, which, by the way, like, the cojones on this one, the balls on that one, whatever, is stupid because testicles are fucking weak. But anyway, <laughs> but if you're going to do this correctly, you should be like, he has the balls of a honey possum. <laughs> You must have honey possum-sized uh, balls. And he gets better. Oh, good. He also have the largest sperm of any mammal yet studied. Why? Why is that a thing? Because since the female can mate with will mate with multiple males, they need to find a way to ensure that their sperm will fertilize the egg. One of the ways to do that is devote a lot of energy to making large, healthy sperm. Ugh. <laughs> A more cute fun fact is that this species has the smallest offspring of any mammal, which stay in the mother's pouch for about two months. A unique characteristic of the honey possum is that it is the world's only nectivorous marsupial and the only non-flying mammal that feeds exclusively on pollen and nectar. Oh, exclusively on pollen and nectar? Yes, that's all it eats. For (laughs) a mammal? Yeah. Sometimes it's... Well over 90% of its diet is literally pollen and nectar. Wow, that's <laughs> crazy. I'll get into some of the adaptations, which is why it cannot eat other things. Okay. Because it's so devoted to eating pollen and nectar. Species also has an incredibly high metabolic rate, so it must consume a lot of calories in order to sustain itself. To do this, they will consume about 7 milliliters of nectar each day. And to put this into perspective, that is the equivalent of an adult human drinking 50 liters of soda. Oh my god, you would die. I know. You would die immediately. Um, a large I mean, to be fair, that's not counting like yeah. the carbonation and all the acidic aspects yes. of that that would just like eat through your organs. But the sugar rise, yeah. okay. A large component of nectar is water, so this species also produces large volumes of diluted urine to maintain homeostasis. Their diet also makes some important pollinators for their ecosystem, and they are the primary pollinator for the nodding banksia. What is that? A flower? Okay. It's a flowering plant, yeah. Um, Their diet has also led them to evolve reduced teeth, and so basically they're just tiny little pigs. (laughs) Oh. And they have poorly developed chewing muscles as they no longer have much need for them because they don't chew anything. The bone of the skulls itself are also odd in that they are incredibly thin, uh, similar to those in hummingbirds. They also have an elongated tongue that has a bunch of bristles on the end called papillae um, that help it to collect the nectar and pollen from the flower. This tongue also moves incredibly fast, and the honey possum can move its tongue in and out about three times per second. Oh, God. It's basically the hummingbird of mammals. Yes. The honey possum is uh, currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN red list. Their populations are currently stable, and there are no major threats to the species' existence, but they are affected by habitat loss due to wildfires and native plants in its environment being infected by water mold. Water mold? Yes. It's kind of like a fungus, but they're not really a fungus, and they infect plants and kill them. Oh, rough. Yeah, one of my GAs when I was an undergrad um, studied water mold. I don't hmm. know exactly what, but she studied water mold. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. So it was a theme for several of our labs. Nice. Lovely. All right. So here's what's interesting. Hmm. I looked it up by looking at those three breeds. Okay. And I'm 100%. Well, not 100% correct. We are both correct that the top three are those dogs. Mm -hmm. I won. The Labrador is the most popular. Number two is the Shepherd. Number three is the Golden. I expected it to go Lab, Golden, Shepherd. Hmm. But... This is what's interesting. So that's on the dog's page. But Mm -hmm. then I was like, let's just look at most popular breeds. So for 2020, not the same order. They have Mm -hmm. not put 2021 on here yet. Okay. So 2019, though, is that order. So I don't know if they haven't updated it or if 21 is that and they just haven't added Mm -hmm. that to their thing. But I will say, um, you still would have been wrong, though. (laughs) So Labrador is still number one. It has Mm -hmm. been for... A long time at least the last since 2018 it has been number one however who do you think are the, round out the top five we're right about the three top five mm-hmm. it's the same from 2018 oh. on they're all the same top i am surprised so by two this. more along with that you're right also i could have looked at this one dog because it's very basic i think i was thinking a different dog i said this dog no or... i i may not have said it when i was looking through basic dogs to check it may have come up. I don't know. 
They don't have American in front of it in this thing, but... But there are two other dogs that round up the top five, and they have been the top five for the last I'm trying to three think years that. at least. Hmm. It's not what you see out in Temecula. It's not poodles. I've, of course it's not poodles. <laughs> <sighs> My instinct to say is bulldog. Yep. That's one of them? That's both of them. Oh, bo they're both Pick bulldogs. a different bulldog. There's two different bulldogs. English and Frenchy? Well, Frenchy and just bulldog. Oh, just bulldog? Yeah, they just, they just put it as bulldogs. I don't know if it's American or English. Okay. So basically, two of the top five dogs are dogs that do are not good at existing. Mm -hmm. There's uh, they're so cute um, though. I love especially Frenchies. I love, but they just don't they're not good at existing. One country recently banned the breeding of some brachycephalic dogs. Huh, that's good. Let's see. Yeah, it always amazes me when people will drop four grand on a dog. I'm Dude, like, what is honestly, wrong with you? it's like. Also, this dog is not will not breathe well. Probably has health issues and has temperament issues. It's still a dog. It's still awesome. I love doggies, but like, no. Yeah, Norway ways. will no longer allow English bulldogs to be bred in the country. Ugh, I love Norway. <laughs> they gotta have some faults, but they seem pretty great. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold. <laughs> it's real cold. <laughs> but then you get the pretty so Aurora was The English bulldog and. The Cavalier King Charles Spaniel were the two breeds banned. I'm surprised that not a pug. Yeah, there's a or reason a dog because like that. I follow this one vet and she even went over this about the King Charles Spaniel. I cannot remember why. Hmm. Yeah, and actually in 2020, the French Bulldog took the number two spot. Really? Cray over German Shepherd and Damn. over Golden Retriever. But it has pretty much consistently been Labrador, German Shepherd, Golden Retriever. In that order. Anyway, back from dogs. We got sidetracked. Um, so the animal I wanted to talk about that I chose this entire category mm. for because they're so cute. And I extra fell in love with them during the bushfires because I saw a story that they would let other animals go into their burrows <laughs> and hide from the fire with them. It's the wombat. I'm going to have to go see it at the zoo because I love them. They're so cute. Also, I just love them from um, Rescuers Down Under. So there's little wombats in that in the beginning. is real cute. Anyway, Rescuers okay. Rescuers Down Under. I've never heard this. What? You need to watch Rescuers Down Under. Okay. It's great. It's like the Rescuers, but Down Under, obviously. They're in Australia. <laughs> it's crazy. Anyway, um, it was one of the ones like in our first couple episodes where I talked about ridiculous animal physics, too, with Disney movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It comes from that one. Nah. Anyway, so mm -hmm. the wombat. Their name is so cute. Vombatus yersinus. I love them. So cute. Okay. They are native to southeastern Australia as well as Tans Tasmania. Excuse me. Not Tanzania. Totally different <laughs> continent. <laughs> excuse me. Tasmania. The common wombat inhabits temperate regions, usually in grassland and scrub forested habitats. They are a moderately sized marsupial, getting up to 1.1 meters long. That's pretty good size. Mm -hmm. And weighing up to 35 kilograms. In the wild, they usually live 12 to 15 years. Oh, that's pretty good. And in captivity, the oldest individual reached 30 years old. The wombat is a folivore. They eat foliage, I assume. And as such, eats various kinds of foliage, <laughs> such as grasses, moss, shrubs, as well as roots and tubers. I should always read ahead. <laughs> you should. But I don't. <laughs> this is this is how my brain works, people. Uh, it's just how it is anyway. At least you were correct. <laughs> I know. I'm like, that would just make sense. Anyway. Okay. Uh, the wombat is a great example of convergent evolution in Australia with the marsupial evolving to occupy ecological niches that are filled by placental mammals on other continents. In the wombat's case, it fulfills a niche similar to groundhogs, and they have evolved many similar adaptations, like having strong forelimbs and claws for digging large burrows that can be up to 200 meters in length. Holy yep. snap, they can smuggle so many animals during those wildfires. Yep. This is why they're the little heroes. Okay, anyway. That's crazy. This is what's fun, folks. We both get to learn about it at the same time. <laughs> anyway, another adaptation they have is for their burrowing lifestyle, and it deals with their pouch as it faces backwards. Oh, smart. Which prevents it from getting filled with dirt as the mother digs a burrow. Can you imagine that? You're just a little baby wombat, and you're <laughs> like, know. what is this? <laughs> Why? <laughs> another example of convergent evolution involves their teeth. Even though they are not remotely closely related to rodents, they also have incisors without 
roots that continuously grow through their entire lives. <gasps> Isn't that like the Barbarossa and those? Yeah. That's crazy. Okay, anyway. Scooches, scooches. I'm assuming okay. you meant us. <laughs> yeah, I'm, but still. <laughs> Aren't the tusks basically incisors, though? Um, Actually, I think they're canines. Okay. Anyway. I'll double check. Now as I'm just like imagining a Barbarossa, I'm like, I feel like that would be an incisor, but I don't know. I need to get one to open his mouth for me. Anyway. Um, Elephant's tusks are incisors. Are you saying they are incisors? Elephant tusks are. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. I'm looking up Barbarossa. Okay, great. Perfect. While he figures that out. This is the day of us looking up information while the other one talks. Great. Um, the reason for this is because as folivores, they eat a lot of tough vegetation, so they need ever-growing teeth, so they don't have incisors that become so worn down that they're useless. Due to their nutrient-poor diet, they have evolved hindgut fermentation, similar to that in horses, that allows for fermentation of the plant matter they eat to extract more nutrients out of the plants they eat. Another adaptation for this nutrient-poor diet is that the wombat has an incredibly low metabolic rate, so they spend much of their time resting in burrows, which also helps them to avoid predators. They will also make dirt plugs, what, to fill the entrance of their tunnels to prevent predators from coming in. What the fuck is a dirt plug? Just vile dirt at the front of the burrow. <laughs> They're like, ew, this is messy. I don't want to do it. <laughs> All right. If they don't plug up the burrow with dirt, this species also has a cartilage plate on their rump, which they will use to block the entrance of their burrow. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. One of my favorite things. <laughs> I knew I love these guys so much. Oh, um. By the way, yeah, I checked. I was correct. The Barbarossa is Tuscar canines. Okay, but elephants are incisors. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so some tusks are incisors. Anyway, mm-hmm. all right. Um, back to the cartilage rumped <laughs> wombats that are amazing. I just love the idea of like, no, you're not coming in. <laughs> literally kiss my ass basically oh my god anyway the common wombat is currently listed as least concerned by the iucn red list its population is currently stable and there are no major threats to the species as a whole however there are two other wombat species known as the hairy-nosed wombats excuse me um the southern hairy-nosed wombat is classified as near-threatened, and the northern hairy-nosed wombat is classified as critically endangered, with just a little over 100 left in the Epping Forest National Park. Well, that's sad. Mm-hmm. Also, just the fact that, first of all, you've been designated as a hairy-nosed wombat, and we have to have a southern <laughs> and northern. I feel like this is very popular in Australia, because there's all the southern kiwis. Yeah. Well, not just Australia, but that area. Mm-hmm. Southern kiwis, southern cassowaries, like all these things. It's crazy. Anyway, wombats are amazing. I hope you learned amazing things about them as I did today with their little butts. (laughs) That's really bad. I was like with their butt plug basically because they have a dirt plug and then they also plug it with their butt. Anyway, um, they're amazing. So happy we talked about them. We have some crazy little pics today. Yeah. Freaking little hummingbird of the mammals. And then like, nope. That's like humanitarian is what a wombat is right there. (laughs) All right. Well, that gets us to our animal of the week, which was our listener's choice. And um, I don't know what to to think about this because I don't know anything about this. I imagine it's going to probably be scary. What? But um, not like horror movie. I'm sure if it was bigger, it'd be a horror movie. But like, I don't know. Casey, I'm assuming it's interesting. Casey, tell us about our animal of the week. Who is it? It It is. It is. The Lord Howe Island Stick Insect. Yep, that. <laughs> Don't know anything about them. Yes. So these guys come for the order Phasmatodia. That's cool. Family Phasmatidae. And their scientific name is Dro- Dryocosilus australis. <laughs> but, but they're not in Australia, right? Technically. It, Lord Howe Island is part of Australia. Okay, okay. Then we'll accept that. Because there was something it's else that a- was... Australia or whatever was in its name and it is not from Australia it's from New Zealand yeah I'm gonna need you guys to get it together over there okay I don't know what these people are drinking over in that area there's a lot of islands over there there are (laughs) yeah so this species is originally from Lord Howe Island they have a life as an insect they don't live very long it's only about 12 to 18 months and they reach sexual maturity at about 6 months okay they are about 12 centimeters in length and weigh 8 to 9 grams that's not that big, though. No. It's okay. decent size. It's decent, but it's not like it's a giant yeah. freaking bug. They are sexually dimorphic with the females having a wider abdomen while the males are much more slender. 
Okay. Like other species of stick insect, the Lord Howe Island stick insect is herbivorous and feeds primarily on the leaves of the Melaleuca bush. Okay. And due to their relatively large size, Lord Howe stick insect has also been given the name tree lobster. <laughs> That's a small lobster, man. Yeah. Uh, as mentioned before, these guys belong to the order Phasmatodia, which are commonly referred to as the stick insects, but not all of them look like sticks. Okay. The name is derived from the Greek word phasm, which means phantom, and obviously refers to insects, the insect's great camouflage. Mm, okay. This species of stick insect is flightless, and they are nocturnal. During the day, dozens of these stick insects will huddle together in vegetation to hide from predators. Another trait of phasmids that this insect also has is the ability to, partho- mm-hmm. to the, the ability to perform parthenogenesis. This is a form of asexual reproduction in which unfertilized eggs develop into females. I feel like that needs to be my new myrmecophagus because it's not <laughs> the first time you brought it up. Yeah. Parthenogenesis? Yes. Parthenogenesis. Mm-hmm. Based on observation and captivity, these species can mate up to three times a night, and copulation sessions sometimes last up to 20 minutes. Okay. They also may display some uncommon pairing behavior for insects, as one scientist described them as pairing off to sleep together with the male having three legs seemingly protectively over the female next to him. Oh, how cute. <laughs> yeah. The female will walk down the bush to the ground and bury her eggs in the soil. The phasmids are known for having not just their bodies camouflaged, but also their eggs. Oh. And the Lord Howe sick insect is no exception as its eggs are beige in color and have raised reticulated patterns, which is likely to match the appearance of seeds of plants. Hmm. Interesting. Over the course of her lifetime, a female sick insect can produce up to 300 eggs. Okay. While they are incubating in the egg, nymphs, which is what we call an immature insect that doesn't go undergo complete metamorphosis, is kind of folded up, and when it emerges, it can be up to three times the size of the egg. Oh my god! <laughs> it's origami! I guess. The nymphs are initially green when they hatch, but eventually darken into a black color by about six months. Is there any reason for them to be green? Is that what they're closer to, to camouflage in? Or is it like good luck surviving? Probably an adaptation to um, uh, camouflage, as well as it probably has some purpose for communication with others. Like, hey, I'm not an adult. Don't mate with me. I'm not ready. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, anyway. But that's like sometimes what color is used to communicate. Okay. The Lord Island sick insect is currently listed as critically endangered by the IUCN Red List. It is considered to be the rarest insect on the planet. Well, I have to find a picture of this, Casey. So I'm saying it right now, folks. This one might not have a picture. You should. I believe you should be able to. Okay. The last individual spotted on Lord Howe Island was in 1920. Oh, my God. How do they know they're still alive? We'll get to that. Okay. The species was officially declared extinct in 1960. But it was rediscovered back in 2001 when a population of less than 20 individuals was found on Ball's Pyramid, which is a volcanic outcrop that is located 23 kilometers off the coast of Lord Howe Island. Oh, okay. And is the only location this species has been found. Fun fact, there were reports back in the 60s of sightings of the insects on Ball's Pyramid. And when they rediscovered in 2001, they initially went to prove that the species was dead and gone. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they're wrong. Um, at the time, the species' whole population was being supported by a single bush in a rock crevice. <gasps> oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Since the 60s? Yeah. As far as we know. That's crazy. But yeah, in 2001, that's all that there was a bush of insects. That is nuts. <laughs> this serious decline to the species population and what led to the species being extirpated from Lord Howe Island is black rats that were brought by settlers and remain to this a threat to the species' survival. Okay. These rats were also the cause of extinction of 12 other invertebrates and five bird species on the island. Oh my gosh. Back in 2003, a rescue team brought back two breeding pairs back to Australia to start a breeding program to help save the species. And to put it into a perspective how difficult this was, 
Falls Pyramid is 550 meters tall, 300 meters wide, and only a kilometer long. A boat cannot land on it. <laughs> so they have to drop an anchor and climb straight up. Oh, it's just like a sheer cliff? Yeah, I'll show you a picture. Um, but yeah, it's not like this There's small... There's no beach, basically. Island. Yeah, it's basically a volcanic rock in the middle of the ocean. Cool. I want to see this. This is fascinating, folks. Hang on. Uh, this is it. Oh, damn. <laughs> That's it. Ooh. So they just, like, swim over to it and then try to climb it? They Well, they obviously went by boat and then drop the anchor. Right. Go up. Well, I don't mean they swim from the nearest yeah. island. I mean, they, yeah, drop anchor and then have to swim the rest yeah. of the Because a lot of times they'll drop anchor and then take mm-hmm. a little, like, tender a little boat yeah. somewhere. But if there's nowhere to put it, then, God, that sucks. And then you're trying to climb, rock climb, yeah. sopping wet. Good times. Yeah. All right, well. Um, there was also a survey done on the wild population back in 2007 and found that the wild population is heavily skewed towards females. As I mentioned earlier, the species is capable of parthenogenesis, and this is likely the primary form of reproduction of this species, so there may be concerns for g- its genetic diversity going forward. That would make anything that's down to that yeah. low a number is going to be a yeah. problem with genetic... Yeah. Genetic? Genetic. Genetic. Diversity. <laughs> oh, um, speaking yeah. is tough, dude. Yep. One of the pairs collected in 2003 was given to Zeus Victoria, and the two were named Adam and Eve. Oh, jeez. Eve was very sick to start out, but Aww. the staff was able to help her survive, and she would eventually lay 248 eggs. Yay. Keep in mind that the entire captive population is descended from just four individuals. That's rough. But in 2017, a female was brought back by the Australian Museum to the Melbourne Zoo, which has helped to introduce highly valuable new genetics into captive populations. That's good. At the Melbourne Zoo. So now there are five individuals <laughs> contributing. Yeah. Um, that originally came from the wild. Um, and at the Melbourne Zoo, by 2019, they had over 14,000 individuals breeding their facility. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, still coming from the same four. Yeah. But still, no, at least, you know. Yeah. Um, conservation pro- and uh, there is a conservation plan on eventually releasing the species back to Lord Howe Island. Once they have managed to eradicate the rats, like there. I have to get rid of the rats. Better get yeah. some cats in there. But then, mm-hmm. well, the cats probably. Well, my cat goes after insects. Yeah. So, yeah, the San Diego Zoo is also helping out. It is one of the facilities that breeds these insects in captivity, and they also cultivate the maluk. Mm-hmm. I cannot talk. The bush, I'm assuming. <laughs> yes, the maluka hawiana bush, um, and technically they call it tea tree, and the Moraton Bay fig plant to provide food for this species in managed care. So do we think if we spend the like ridiculous amount of money on one of the behind the scenes tours, we'll get to see a Lord House? I would love to. Like you know how long it'd be taking pictures. Of- <laughs> You're like I'm never leaving. They're like, sir, we must move along. I May I interest you in tigers? <laughs> no. The insects. That's all I care about. Tigers are going extinct. These might. Tigers are in the wild. In the wild, okay, they, they w- are. They are. But there's a stable population in captivity. Still, it's mean. Anyway, okay. Well, we already did the pun. Yes, we so did. So that brings us to the challenge, Casey. Yes. I don't know what it's going to be. It's probably going to be bad. Yes, it is for you. Yes, it's usually terrible for me, and so, I feel dumb. And I obviously can't even speak today, so I don't anticipate this will go well. <laughs> so today is World Pangolin Day. Oh, yay. And um, to celebrate, I'm giving you a pangolin quiz. This is going to be terrible. I will, uh, 100%. We've talked about this before, and I'm not going to remember. Yep. All right. I will give you 10 minutes. Okay. Right. Ready? As right as I'm going to be. Okay. How many pangolin species are there? Oh, fuck. We've definitely done this. I'm just going to say 10. That is incorrect. Okay. No, I'm like, I don't have a next question. You have yeah. to just move on. Okay. Penguins hold the distinction of being the world's only blank mammal. It's been over a year since we talked about them. Um, Think about what they look like. I mean, they're armored, but... <sighs> That's, I mean, also a mammal, so it's not that... I'm just going to say are. I don't think they are, but... I don't know what they consider it to be armored. Is it the specifically their little scales? Because they kind of have scaly armor. Is that oh. your answer? Scaly armor. I'll give it to you. Okay. <laughs> scaly mammal is the term. Okay, okay. Uh, penguin's most noticeable feature is that their body is coated in scales, 
What are they made out of? I don't remember, so I'm going to say keratin. That is correct. Yay. Thank goodness. <laughs> it's so mad. I'm like, I'm just going to assume it's the same as rhino horns, and that's probably why they're being killed. <laughs> Penguins have a specialized diet of ants and termites. What is the name of this diet? <laughs> it finally came in handy. Yay. Okay. Thank you. Who was our first one who did that? Was it the ant? No, it was someone before the anteater. I don't remember who it was now. The penguins. Was it the penguin was the first one? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, the only two continents with penguins are Africa and Asia. Which one has more endangered species? I want to say it's Asia. That is so correct. Asia is what I'm going with. That is correct. How many of the penguin species list are listed as endangered or higher? I'll... I, wh- how about I just say all of them because I don't know the number. <laughs> that is incorrect. Okay. <laughs> The pangolin lacks teeth, so what does it use to scrape the ants and termites off its tongue? Uh, I think it'd be its little claws. I don't really know. I'm going to say its little claws. That is incorrect. Okay. Penguins have a unique form of locomotion in that they walk on their what? Do they do they walk on their claws? I'm just like trying to match a penguin <laughs> right now. Penguins. I'm like, what is, how do they? Well, because they're not flat-footed. Nope. I think it's on their claws. I think they walk on their claws. That is incorrect. Okay. Guess it's their toes. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. It's wrong. Right. Pangolin comes from the Malay word pengulung. What does this word mean? Oh, I do not know. <laughs> Think about some characteristics. We've I mean, there about. are spiky little armored things. Um, I'm just gonna say armored. I don't know. That is incorrect. Okay. Final question. Yeah. Even though they are sometimes referred to as scaly anteaters, they are not closely related. Which group of mammals are they most closely related to? I feel like it has to be like the armadillo. I don't know what group that would be. Final answer. Yeah, I'm just going armadillo. That is incorrect. Okay. Okay, so. Okay, to be honest, it went better than I thought it was going to. <laughs> I knew Mir Makoff again. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> it only took I me two years. I drilled that into your head so badly. <laughs> oh, yeah? And who are the lead sled dogs, Casey? <laughs> Technically, the Jindo was that <laughs> corresponding issue, but that is a two-syllable simple answer. The dogs are also two-syllable. Yeah, I know they are. <laughs> so, first question, how many... You got a total of four, so 40 points out of a potential of 100. Oh, and that was worse than I thought. I thought it was 50 at least. Okay, anyway. So, how many pangolin species are there? The answer is eight. Uh, I wasn't that far off. Yeah. And pangolins hold the distinction for being the world's only scaly mammal. You got that one correct. Pangolin's most notable feature on the body is the scales, which are made up of keratin. Okay. And the specialized diet of ants and termites is myrmecophagus. And the the Asia is the continent with more endangered species, as all those ones are endangered. <laughs> How many of the penguin species in total are listed as endangered or higher? The answer is six. Oh, okay. Two are vulnerable, three endangered, three critically endangered. Okay. And how many of the penguin species are... Oh, just said that. <laughs> the penguin lacks teeth, so what does it use to scrape ants and termites off its tongue? It's hyoid. This bone. Nope, don't remember that at all. <laughs> I did. It, I did go off my notes. You probably did. It was over <laughs> a year ago, dude. Do you know many animals? You know, in the beginning of this, when we try to recall our animals of the week, it was like, oh yeah, this one, and now I'm like, oh boy. Uh, yeah, I do remember. <laughs> seventy-two uh, episodes. That means seventy-two animals, Casey. <laughs> yes. So penguins have a unique form of locomotion in that they walk on their ankles. Oh. Mm-hmm. There was going to be a bonus. Why do they walk like this? It is to prevent them from wearing down their claws. Oh, I don't remember. I'm going to have to go look at the pictures of penguins again because I feel like they were very meh, not meh. <laughs> penguins come from the lay word pangulung, and this word means roller. Oh, they okay. roll into a ball. Okay, okay. <laughs> and bonus, why did they get the name for rolling into a ball? Because they roll into a ball. Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. It was a very simple bonus. <laughs> I was like, is this a trick question? (laughs) Okay. Even though they are sometimes referred to as scaly anters, they are not closely related. Which group of mammals are they most closely related to? The answer is the carnivorans. 
Uh, which but, is like so many of the animals. Yes, cats, dogs, hyenas, Most bears. Most of the main mammals we think of, yeah. Yeah, yeah the anteaters and armadillos. Actually, I need to double check that. Oh, no. We got to check. Mm. Real time. Because I know anteaters are synarthrins. I'm pretty sure armadillos are also... Are synarthrins? Yes, the term synarthrins. Weird. Yep, includes armadillos. Okay. The anteaters, armadillos, and sloths. Okay. So carnivores. The main, the basics. It's carnivora. Yep. That's who they're most closely related to. Weird. Mm -hmm. Sometimes who they're related to is really crazy to me. Yes, because evolution does what she wants. It's just weird. She don't care what you think. (laughs) No. Evolution don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Um... All right, well, that is our animal. Not well. Sorry, that was the challenge. Yes, that obviously. was the challenge. <laughs> and we already discussed our animal and our adorable animals, um, and all that good stuff. So, what are you doing? I'm typing so I remember <laughs> for the. Okay, I'm just like, what is happening? Why is it moving right now? <laughs> oh my goodness! I promise we're gonna get this together eventually, folks. All right. Well, that'll bring us to the end of episode 72. Thank you for listening. As always, we're your hosts, Allie and Casey. And we will catch you. I don't know why I took your name. (laughs) It took my life. That was really weird. (laughs) He was upset about that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The other day there was a pun. I forget what it was, but I was like, I want to tell Casey this. It had nothing to do with animals. But I was like, I want to tell Casey this because it would make him so mad. (laughs) He would just be like, no. (laughs) Unacceptable. Do you remember it? Oh gosh, I don't remember what it was now. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to remember who I was talking to so I can remember the um the like context. Also, I have to say, wow, as usual, we're going off the rails here at the end. Um, I did an escape room right a while ago with some no girls bad. from work. And she named a team, and I am like the pun queen. I love puns, okay, right? Love them. And um, she named us rad girls, and I just seemed just like rad, like you know, the 80s, like, oh, that's rad, right? It's because we work at a radiology mm-hmm. place, oh and I gosh. didn't get it. <laughs> and then she had to. Ex- nobody got it. And then she explained it, and I was so angry with myself. I was like, "Oh my god!" Because it's all of us who work at the same place. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Anyway, my sister had to do that to me recently. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> yeah, I hope mm. I can remember the pun that would have made you angry. But I literally mm. remember thinking, "Like, I need to tell Casey this," and he would be so angry. Mm. Anyway. All right, well, we'll try it again since I screwed it up. Okay, so thank you for listening. <laughs> that brings us to the end of episode 72. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. <laughs> and we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast. <laughs>